0: Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Dr. Ann Buschow. Uh, She is a licensed clinical psychologist in Northern California, and she specializes in family issues and issues related to divorce, parenting, parenting planning, and co-parenting counseling. She has a professional and personal experience in nesting, co-parenting, step-parenting, and single parenting issues. She's presented widely at state and national conferences for attorneys, mental health professionals, and financial professionals on collaborative divorce, forgiveness practices, nesting during divorce, and consensual dispute resolution. Thank you so much, Dr. Ann Bushell, for being our guest on Divorce Dialogues. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. And I notice in your bio that you do a lot of work with bird nesting or nesting. So, And I know that that's a a popular idea, at least with with many divorcing parents. So can you talk a little bit about what
1: it is and how it works? Sure, so when I got divorced about, now it's about 17 years ago, my ex-husband and I nested for 15 months. It was suggested by our couples therapist, but we really didn't know what it meant or how to do it. And in the years since then, I've learned a lot about it. I've talked to a lot of clients about it, and I ended up writing my book about it. Nesting is an arrangement where the children stay in the home, the family home, and the parents rotate on and off duty. And there are different ways to set that up, but we call it nesting because it's like birds swooping in and out of the nest to take care of the babies while they stay safe and secure in their nest.
0: So in this case, you know, historically, I mean, traditionally, we think about, in divorce, children going back and forth between the parents' homes. In this case, the the children stay put in the family home and the parents come in and out. Is, Is that right?
1: That's right. And it's particularly helpful in the early stages of separation or divorce because it's such a difficult time and there's so many unknowns. And the one thing parents can do to protect their children is to keep their lives as little disrupted as possible, keep their lives consistent and stable while the parents get a break from all the conflict, they get some practice at being single parents, they get some time to calm themselves down and figure out how they want to proceed, whether that's to reconcile or to move on to divorce. It's a great way to just slow things down enough to give people time to think things through carefully and keep their children's lives kind of secure and safe.
0: You know, it's really interesting. A number of years ago, I had a client who was doing this and she said to me, oh, I hate going back and forth between two homes. And I said, well, you know, we didn't have to do it this way. We could change it. She goes, no, no. I'm so much happier that it's me dealing with this and not my kids because they didn't ask for this and we did. So this is much better that I'm the one who is going to yeah. the discomfort of shifting homes, not them. And still, you know, if people are getting divorced. You did it for 15 months and you just said that uh, nesting is a great thing to do, especially in the beginning. Is this really a viable long term solution or is it more of transitional, do you think?
1: Well, I would say that most of the people that I've worked with have done it as a transition. It could have been three years. It could have been until a specific milestone like the children's graduation from high school or when the house needs to be sold or something like that. But I did interview a family for my book where they nested for six and a half years and I was fortunate enough to be able to interview the parents and all three of the children who are now adults about their experience. And what you just said is exactly what the children said. That the parents bore the burden of the divorce for them, and the children didn't have to bear that burden. So while they weren't happy about the divorce happening, they really appreciated the efforts their parents made to carry the burden and not put it on to them. The thing about nesting also is even if it is a transitional arrangement, when kids do start going back and forth between two homes, the parents have a lot more empathy because they've been doing it themselves. So they they understand what that's like for the kids. So they're not going to be so upset when a child forgets their homework at the other parent's house or, you know, something like that happens.
0: I would think, Dr. Ambosha, that it's more than just empathy. They might actually have some practical experience. You know what, I forgot my underwear. you know, I forgot my tampons, <laughs> you know whatever. you need to have it like what makes sense to have duplicates of, and what doesn't make sense to have duplicates of and and that it could really smooth it over just because of having the experience of living in two homes and going back and forth between them. Do you think that's true?
1: I do. I do. It's a lot of learning, the nesting. It's learning how to be a single parent, learning all the tasks that your spouse did when you had a division of labor in the marriage that you no longer have. It's learning what it's like to have your children not every single day, what it's like to start to trust your ex to parent the children differently very often than you would. It's a huge adjustment period. So there's a lot of learning and adjustment that the nesting kind of gives you that time to get up to speed. So
0: I just want to separate that because those learning points that you just talked about are true whether or not you nest or not. I I think what you're saying is that nesting eases into it more gradually than just going into a new parenting paradigm overnight. Is that right?
1: I would call it a softened startup. You know, John Gottman uses that term um, about partners in conflict, having a softened startup. What that means is, as you say, easing into it, that you're not dealing with the, all of the changes that the children will have to make later. You get that time to catch up before the children start having to go back and forth and, and their adjustment begins. Well, it's really interesting because
0: one thing that I never, I was divorced a number of years ago as well, and I think it would have been a disaster for us to nest, even though I regret that, because I think that my ex-husband and I would have fought over who needed to buy milk and who was emptying the dishwasher mm-hmm. and changing the sheets and doing the laundry and and stuff like that. So it seems to me that when people, and I always encourage my clients to do this if they feel that they can, so long as they're not going to get into those kinds of fights because the kids don't need to hear that. God damn your father, he didn't this or, you know, such a bitch because she didn't do that or she did do that or, you know what I'm saying? So what are your thoughts about that as a, as a psychologist and an expert in the field?
1: Well, sure. There are a lot of ways nesting can go wrong. And this is why I wrote the book, The Parent's Guide to Bird Nesting. There need to be explicit agreements about those kinds of things, the condition of the home when parents go on and off duty, sometimes a grocery list that a parent needs to know needs to be in the refrigerator when they leave the home, so the other parent doesn't arrive and there's no milk. In the book I spell out very specific agreements of the kinds of things that can really make things fall apart easily and then the things that can make the whole process smoother and and more rewarding for everyone so specific agreements are key and you know there's never been a guide to bird nesting out there but there've been a lot of articles in newspapers about how nesting can fail and What I've learned is that nesting, first of all, it it doesn't really fail. It only lasts a certain amount of time and you've given the children the benefit of that time no matter what. But when it does end, it's usually because it's often because an agreement wasn't made about, for example, bringing new relationships into the home with the children. And I have seen nesting fail because of that. So the explicit agreements are really key to making it go smoothly. And I think having a guide as to the kinds of issues you do need to have agreements about um, has been really helpful to parents. Yeah, because
0: you don't know what you don't know, right? And you go into it thinking, I mean, just the thing about the dishwasher and the food and and the, the laundry and all that. I mean, that's just something, those are various things that clients of mine have complained to me about over the years. I mean, it's it's true about everything with divorce and maybe with everything in life, too, that the devil's in the details. So the idea is great, but you really got to get clear on the logistics so that there isn't conflict and, and resentment. Is, is that right? That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah. And during COVID, it's been a very interesting time with bird nesting or nesting, because at least what I've seen is that many couples that were thinking about divorcing or on the verge of separating – were now confined to the home together. And in essence, they were forced to nest. And in a situation like that where there's already conflict, they have to work out how they're going to be able to continue to live together when they would really prefer to live separately. And nesting is a great solution. It just means that there's a clear schedule of who's on duty and who's off duty and clear agreements about things like emptying the dishwasher or changing the linens. So in, in the last year and a half, I've worked with quite a few families who have created nesting plans because they've had to, not because they chose it.
0: I'm Catherine Miller, and this is Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBLX 1460 AM alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 530, and we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Dr. Ann Buschel about bird nesting and parenting arrangements for children of divorce that are really designed to protect children. What would you think would be the top three things that parents should think about when they're designing a parenting plan, uh, whether or not it's nesting or some other plan that would really center around the children and protect the children, as well as reduce conflict between the parents, which I think also protects children. That's just my own personal belief about that.
1: Well, that belief is supported by research. What we know is that conflict between the parents is the single most damaging factor in divorce in terms of the effect on children. Um, The top three, I would start with the schedule, of course. I like to talk to parents about maximizing the children's time with each of them. So to the degree that that's realistic, given people's work schedules and other responsibilities, it's really helpful for kids to be with one parent and not a babysitter or, you know, a a nanny or something, if a parent can be with them, especially in the beginning stages of divorce, because kids are going to worry about, are they still going to be parented? What's happening to their family? And it's the parents who can give them that sense of security. So I would say the schedule would be the single most important thing. The next one would be a commitment to not have conflict, but to be able to communicate with each other in order to make the transitions on and off duty as seamless as possible. So some agreement about what information will they share with each other as they go on and off duty regarding the children and if they're nesting regarding the home as well. So that would be a second one. And communication during COVID, it's been everything from emails to direct, you know, communications over coffee to almost no communication at all, but just the briefest of notes. Those would be people that would be doing more of a parallel parenting style. But that communication is really important. The third agreement, I'd have to think about that. I think In terms of damage that can be done, I would say being very careful not to expose the children to conflict or new relationships. You know, often when people are separating, they want to start dating right away, or maybe they already have. I think it needs to be an explicit commitment to not bring people into the home when they're on duty. They can use their off-duty time for that. And the worst case that I saw... Where there was no agreement of that type was when a mom came on duty and found a used condom in the bedroom, and that did not go over well, and that was pretty disastrous. So having explicit agreements is another example of why explicit, documented, written, signed agreements is so important.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you make a reference to parallel parenting, and for the listeners who might not know what that is, can you talk about what parallel parenting is and what the other
1: options are? Sure. So I think of parenting as a continuum. On one end, co-parenting, where parents really work together very well. They communicate frequently. They support each other. They are very consistent in the things that they expect of their children in terms of chores or bedtime, screen time, that sort of thing. At the other end of that continuum is parallel parenting, where there's more of a firewall between the parents. These are parents who really don't want contact with the other parent at all. They might feel like one parent is intrusive or controlling and they just, there's too much conflict between them. And so they want the parallel parenting. In my opinion, it doesn't matter where people fall on that continuum as long as it ends the conflict between them. So if parallel parenting is what it takes to end the conflict, kids can adjust to that. It's better for them to not be exposed to or even feel the conflict between the parents. Most people fall somewhere in between those two extremes. And one parent might fall closer to, let's say, parallel parenting than the other. And my experience is that to some degree they can compromise, but the parent who really wants the something closer to parallel parenting, that parent is more likely to prevail, and the other parent is going to have to adapt and accept that.
0: Yeah, that really very much describes my situation. I really wanted to have a parenting relationship that was collaborative and communicative, and that was not something that my the father of my children wanted. And we had really a lot of conflict when I tried to to do that, and I think it felt to him controlling and intrusive, and I had to accept over time that he was going to do things his way, and I was going to do things my way. Sad as that was for me, but I think it was better for the kids in the end and then to continuing the battles about it. what do you, Did That's I make right. the right choice?
1: <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. It's. I think kids can adjust to whatever the situation is, even if it's If it seems to you like they're living in two separate universes when they're at one parent's house or the other, that's still better for kids and kids can adapt to that. Is it ideal for them? No, but the conflict is way worse. Conflict is way more damaging. What they need is to know that their parents are able to be at peace with whatever the situation is. Kids can pick up on conflict just by the way you hug them, even if they haven't overheard a fight they can tell that a parent is stressed um, because of conflict with their other parent just by their facial expressions or by the way the parent holds them. So if the priority is to end the conflict, which is what I stress, then whatever parenting style has to happen is the best one in order to end the conflict. Yeah. So you speak,
0: uh, Dr. About the about the schedule and maximizing the time that each parent has with the children or the child. And I find that uh, sometimes there's a little bit of conflict about this. And let me tell you what I'm thinking of. So I, I completely agree that to the extent that kids can be with parents, that's, better for kids and frankly, probably better for parents too, at least in terms of the relationship that they have with their children. But sometimes it it can be like a conflict in terms of back and forth or sort of what feels like intrusiveness. And so what I'm talking about is imagine a family where one parent has been, it's been sort of a traditional division of labor. One parent has been in the workforce, you know, being the primary breadwinner and the other one's been more hands-on between after school to dinner time, say, and now they're going to have a schedule where the children are going back and forth, or or even the children are nest, even they're nesting, and it can feel like okay, well that parent who's been more available in the afternoons, well I'm going to be there with the kids, even a nesting situation, till you get home, and then I'm going to leave. You know, some people think okay, that's fine, that's great, it's more time with the parents, and other people feel like that's a harder transition for children to make between one parent and the other. And I imagine that the nesting situation would water that down. I'm here in my room, at my house, and who's on duty? Who cares? Or it's not a, such a big deal as if I have to pick up and go somewhere else. You know, dad's going to pick me up at mom's at, when he gets home from work, and then we're going to go to his house for dinner. Anyway, do you understand what, I'm, what, the, what the question is that I'm asking? I'm making it rather convoluted, I'm afraid. I think I do.
1: So. What I said was maximizing the children's time with the parents to the degree that it, that's realistic. So it's not necessarily maximizing the parents' time with the children. It's, and to the degree that it's realistic means that if, if one parent travels a lot for work or is always late coming home for work or, you know, there are other reasons why maybe a parent doesn't really want to be as involved in parenting, then that could be for cultural reasons or other reasons, then maximizing the children's time with each parent to the degree that it's realistic is important. The transitions for kids are part of what makes it realistic. If the transition is hard for kids, then the schedule needs to be revisited. When kids are going between two homes, I always suggest that the parent who's going off-duty drops the kids off at the other parent's home. I think that is a very smoother transition for kids than having a parent come and pick them up when they might not be ready to leave or might be in the middle of something that they don't want to leave. So whenever possible, I encourage parents to do it the other way where the parent going off duty does the transportation. I think that's healthier for kids. The transition between parents is maybe the most vulnerable time for children. They could be very fragile during that time, and that's often a time when parents have arguments on the front steps. And so sure. I, I I call attention to that because that's the time for parents to really pay attention to not. Have that not have substantive discussions as the children are transitioning, but just to say, hey, hi, or have a good day and leave it at that. And if there's a substantive conversation that needs to happen to have that at another time when the children aren't making that emotional and physical transition from one parent to the other.
0: I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues, a radio show on WBOX 1460 AM on alternate Wednesdays and also a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Dr. Anne Gold Bushow about parenting plans and particularly bird nesting. And Dr. Buschow, if anyone is interested in your book or finding out more about you and your
1: work, how can they find out more and get in touch? Of course. The Parents Guide to Bird Nesting is available online wherever books are sold and maybe in some bookstores as well. Barnes and Noble perhaps had it, or maybe still has it. it came out last year. My website is doctorannbouchot.com and that is D R A N N B U S C H O dot com. And there are, there's excerpts from the book. There's a lot more information about nesting. There's a blog. And there's also links if people want to purchase the book. And there's forms if people would like to contact me. What do you think that it is that parents need to do to nest
0: successfully? And also, does it matter how old the children are? Is this more successful or more important for younger children, older children? What are your thoughts about
1: that? I have not had the experience that it makes a difference what age the children are. What would change according to their ages might be the schedule and the frequency of transitions. So first, they need to figure out where they're going to be when they're off duty. And that, to a large extent, may depend on their budget. It could be anything from remaining in the house, rearranging rooms so that each parent has a room. That's what's happened a lot during COVID to sharing an off-site location like an apartment. I've had clients stay in Airbnbs or with friends and family uh, when they're off duty. I've had, I had one client actually stay in his church where there was an office with a fold-out sofa. I've had other clients who have fold-out sofas at their um, workplaces that they can stay when they're off duty. Whatever they can afford. Um, if parents can afford to have two separate apartments terrific when I nested I rented a room in a shared rental I had four other roommates it was inexpensive I could afford it and that's where I went when I was off duty for me it was better to be out of the house when I was off duty my ex at the time soon to be ex had another relationship and so he went and stayed with her when he was off duty and then in terms of when it's going to end You don't need to know that when you start nesting. Some people will have a sense that they're nest until the divorce is done, until the house is sold or some other milestone. And some leave it open ended until one of them want to end the nesting for some reason, whether it's to pursue a full-time relationship or they're just tired of it, um, then they may want to end it. And that was the situation. And in, in my case, My my ex ended it after 15 months. And I think it's important to give each other at least 90 days notice if they want to end the nesting because people need to have the time to find another place to live. All right, Dr. Ambushow, in our last 30 seconds, what it
0: was for you personally, the biggest benefit of a bird nesting arrangement for your family?
1: I think giving the kids the security that both parents would continue to parent them, that we would both always be there for them, and that their lives were not turned upside down in the in the early stages.
0: All right. That's super information about bird nesting. Thank you so much, Dr. Ann Buschow, for being our guest on Divorce Dialogue. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me, too.